Hello everyone, welcome back to True Crimes Untold. I'm your host, Jessica Rodenz. This next episode is on Joseph Callinger. Joe Callinger, currently serving a life sentence for sex-related murder here at the State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, just outside Scranton, Pennsylvania. I'm a patient person, got a good listening ear, and try to help people. You're a patient with a good ear, and you try to help people? Yes. When you're not trying to murder them? Yes. When Callinger's reign of terror ended, three were dead, including his 14-year-old son. You murdered your own son? Yes, I did. Why did you do that? He was a sacrifice. I was to murder three million people on planet Earth. And he was a sacrifice to see if I could murder one of my own. At the end of murdering all the people on Earth, I was going to murder my own family and then take my own life and become God. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me. I hope you all had a fun and wonderful weekend. This next episode is a lot shorter than my usual episodes. I was a busy girl this past week, uh, but I wanted to give you something. Next Sunday, I will be back with a really, really good case for you. So stay tuned for that. As you heard in the beginning, this man was insane He believed he was told by God to murder 3 million people, so that probably included me and you. So let's get into it. This is on Joseph Callinger. Joseph Callinger was a serial killer who murdered three people and tortured four families. He committed these crimes with his 13-year-old son, Michael Callinger. Joseph Callinger was born on December 11, 1935, as Joseph Lee Brenner III in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. His parents were Joseph Lee Brenner Jr. and Judith Brenner. In 1937, at age two, Joseph was placed in foster care after his father abandoned his mother. On October 15, 1939, Joseph was adopted by Austrian immigrants Stephen and Anna Callinger. Joseph was abused by his adoptive parents so severely that at age 6, he suffered a hernia inflicted by his adoptive father. The punishments they would make Joseph endure was kneeling on jagged rocks, being locked inside of closets, consuming excrement, which is feces, committing self-injury, being burned with irons, being whipped with belts, and being starved. When Joseph was just nine, he was sexually assaulted by a group of neighborhood boys who held him at knife point. As a child, Joseph often rebelled against his teachers and his adoptive parents. He dreamed of one day becoming a playwright, and he played the part of Ebenezer Scrooge in the local YWCA's performance of A Christmas Carol in the ninth grade. When Joseph was 15, he began dating a girl named Hilda Bergman. 
His parents did not approve of the relationship and told him to stop seeing her. But Joseph married her instead, and they had two children together. Hilda later left Joseph because he was very abusive towards her and their children. Joseph was then hospitalized at St. Mary's on September 4, 1957, due to severe headaches and loss of appetite, which doctors believed was a result of stress from his divorce. Joseph remarried on April 20, 1958, and had five more children with his second wife. He was extremely abusive towards his family and often inflicted the same punishments on them that he had suffered from his adoptive parents. Throughout the next decade, Joseph would spend time in and out of mental institutions for amnesia, attempted suicide, and committing arson. On January 23, 1972, Joseph branded his oldest daughter for running away. Three of his children decided it was time to go to the police and report Joseph for his child abuse. He was arrested, and while he was in jail, he scored an 82 on an IQ test and was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and state psychiatrists recommended that he be supervised with his family. The child abuse charges landed Joseph with four years probation, but his children would later recant their allegations against him. By mid-1974, Joseph was constantly hearing voices and hallucinating. He would say that a floating head named Charlie would follow him around 24-7, telling him to do things. God also spoke to him and told him to kill young boys and to castrate them. Joseph decided to comply with what God and the voices were telling him to do and enlisted his 13-year-old son, Michael, to help. When Joseph asked Michael if he would be willing to help him in these crimes, Michael replied, I would be glad to do it, Dad. On July 7, 1974, Joseph and Michael came across 10-year-old Puerto Rican boy named Jose Colzeo. They first tortured the boy and then cut off his penis. On July 8, the next day, Jose's nude, mutilated body was found at an abandoned building. One month later, Joseph and Michael moved on to their next victim, which was one of his own children, Joseph Jr. Joseph's first attempt to kill Joseph Jr. was trying to get him to walk backwards off of a cliff while taking photographs. Since that plan didn't work, Joseph and Michael then took Joseph Jr. to another abandoned building. They drowned him and left his body there for police to find. Joseph then took out a large life insurance policy on Joseph Jr., saying that on July 28th, his son had tragically drowned. It was considered suspicious, so the claim was not paid out. Joseph was questioned for his son's murder, but was not arrested due to lack of evidence. Now that Joseph and Michael have gotten away with two murders, Joseph feels invincible and wants to continue his crime spree. On November 22nd, the two burglarized a house in Lindenwood, New Jersey. 
Thankfully, no one was home. They moved on to their next home belonging to Joan Cardi. They tied her to her bed and Joseph sexually abused her. They then went through her house taking anything worth value. Eleven days later in Susquehanna Township, Pennsylvania, five hostages were bound and robbed at knife point. The Callengers made off with $20,000 in cash and jewelry after Joseph slashed one of the victim's breasts. They then moved on to Homeland, Maryland. In a Baltimore suburb, they held Pamela Jasky captive in her home. Joseph forced her to perform fellatio on him at gunpoint. On January 6th, the ritual was repeated in Dumont, New Jersey with victim Mary Rudolph. Two days later, on January 8th, Joseph and Michael invaded a home in Leona, New Jersey. They held eight people captive at gunpoint while they ransacked the house. A 21-year-old nurse named Maria Fashing, who was a friend of the family's, was stopping over to check on an elderly ill person who lived at the home. She came into the house while the Callengers were robbing it. Joseph ordered her to strip naked and to bite off one of the male victim's penises. When she refused his orders, Joseph dragged her into the basement, tied her up, and sexually assaulted her. He then stabbed her with the knife, killing her. One of the other tied-up victims was able to flee the house, screaming for help once outside. A neighborhood heard the screams and called the police. Joseph and Michael, afraid that the police were coming, ran from the house, discarding the knife and gun and Joseph's bloody t-shirt before getting on a public transportation bus. When officers arrived and searched near the property, they found the bloody shirt. They easily traced it back to Joseph Callinger and had eyewitness testimony that he and his son had been in the area. The police had soon found out about Joseph's history of domestic violence, Joseph Jr.'s unsolved death, and a series of arsons targeted against buildings that Joseph owned. Joseph and his son Michael were arrested on kidnapping and rape charges and eventually charged with three counts of murder in New Jersey state courts. Joseph Callinger pleaded insanity, claiming God had told him to kill. Joseph was found sane and sentenced to life in prison on October 14, 1976. Michael was judged to be under his father's control, and he was sentenced to a reformatory. Michael was released at age 21. He moved out of state and changed his name. While in prison, Joseph made several suicide attempts, including attempting to set himself on fire. Because of his suicidal and violent behavior, he was transferred to a mental hospital in Trenton, New Jersey. He was then transferred to another mental hospital in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania on May 18, 1979. Joseph Callinger died of an epileptic seizure on March 26, 1996. He spent the last 11 years of his life on suicide watch. 
This is a quote from Joseph Callinger. Oh, what ecstasy setting fire brings to my body. What power I feel at the thought of fire. Oh, what pleasure, what heavenly pleasure. This is a perfect example of a nature versus nurture case. Joseph was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. He definitely had um, a lot of psychotic episodes, but then he was also very severely abused as a child. He was taught that abuse that he then inflicted on his own family years later. So what do you think it is, nature or nurture? Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Like I said, I'll be back next Sunday with a really great case for you. Um, So I will see you then. You can find me on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts. Hit the subscribe button and it'll send you notifications for new episodes weekly. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at True Crimes Untold Podcast. Thanks, guys. Have a good night.